and so it happens. It's an interesting line in our gospel for today. In the midst of a very hard to understand passage of Jesus' teaching that continues where uh, we left off and what we have been hearing from Jesus in the last few weeks from Luke chapter 12. He's in the midst of this intense teaching narrative uh, aimed at the, the crowds who are gathered around, aimed at his disciples, and probably the religious leaders as well who have been challenging what Jesus has been teaching and what he's been doing. All of the things that Jesus has tried to teach them in this narrative is focused around how they are to be prepared for what is to come and knowing how to be prepared in the first place. But first, it's also kind of an ironic statement to hear in the midst of a worship service where we are celebrating the 52 uh, senior high youth and adults who traveled to the Boundary Waters at the end of July, hearing from just a few of them uh, and their experiences uh, being in God's creation out on those waters, out on the campsites along the way, and portaging even all of their gear and their canoes uh, to get to the next place, to get to the, the next body of water. So very special thanks to Matt Gruppentrog, our youth director, and to Eric and Ava Borkenhagen for sharing just a few highlights from their week in the Boundary Waters. Especially when there were a few clouds in the sky. Hey everyone, Matt here. I just wanted to share with all of you a little bit about the trip that our senior high group just took up to the Boundary Waters, which if you don't know anything about the Boundary Waters, it's this area up in northern Minnesota, right on the border of Minnesota and Canada, and it's actually a one million acre wilderness area. And we had a group of 52 people from Unity Lutheran Church that traveled up there. And we were divided up into six different groups. So each group had nine or eight people in it. And each group uh, entered this wilderness area with a plan to go on about a one-week route. And they were going to travel on this route using canoes and also sometimes having to portage their canoes from one lake or river to another. So each group's route was uh, usually about 30 to 40 miles in length and they all had paper maps that they used to get around and <clears throat> one thing about looking at these maps and planning out your route is that uh, sometimes you'd think that there are things that you will encounter that are uh, going to be easy and those easy things end up being really hard and sometimes you uh, have things that you think are going to be really hard that actually end up being much easier and for our group, we had a situation like that. So we had two different uh, scenarios that we encountered on our route. One of them was a one mile long portage trail. And the other one was a simple channel that fed from one lake into another lake. Now, which one of those do you think was easier? Uh, you would think it would be the channel going from one lake to another, right? Well, it turns out that the open channel wasn't exactly open like we thought it would be. It was filled with giant rocks 
uh, with no discernible trail to get around them. So we had to figure out as a group how we were going to safely cross these giant rocks in multiple spots. And doing that actually took us longer and was more difficult than the one mile portage trail. When we got to the one mile portage trail, it was towards the end of our week. So this had kind of been looming over us the whole week. Uh, and we didn't know how difficult it would be. We thought it would be tough. And it was long, but uh, the trail was really nice. Much less rocky than a lot of the other trails we encountered and relatively flat as well. So doing that one mile portage as long as it was uh, felt relatively easy after some of the more challenging uh, areas that we had to encounter. So that's just one of those little lessons that uh, your group ends up learning along the way when you do a trip like this. And uh, one of the things that we share with our groups is that uh, one thing we hope they take away from an experience like this is that they end up uh, realizing that they're capable of doing things that maybe they weren't so sure they were capable of before they entered the Boundary Waters. So uh, all of our groups did remarkably well. We endured some rainy days, but we also had plenty of opportunities uh, for stargazing at night, which was really awesome. Uh, so we just want to say thank you to the congregation for making an experience like this possible. Through our fundraising efforts, we're able to make this possible. Uh, and the way that you support those and also support us by loaning uh, camping equipment and just helping out when we have needs uh, that arise in a trip like this. We just can't say thank you enough. And um, hopefully you've seen some pictures throughout this uh, little sharing time here that I'm recording that just show the beauty of this area and it really gives our young people an experience in God's creation that is very unique. So thank you so much for your support and we hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about this adventure. Hi, it's Ava Borgenhagen and Eric Borgenhagen and we just went on the Boundary Waters trip with the church. It was my first time and it was his second time with the church. And um, it was like we did it like two weeks ago. Uh, we're just coming to talk about our experience on the trip. Um, like for me, the best part about the trip, I think, was definitely just like the views and like seeing like the sunsets. And especially like when you get up early in the morning, you can see the sunrise and the with the calm lake and all that and that scenery. Um, we even saw a beaver. So you're going to see some wildlife. Um, you also kind of... Think about like all the stuff that you don't have, surprisingly, because like, you know, you don't think about stuff until you don't have it. So like a lot of the times I was mostly just thinking about my skincare products because that's what I miss the most. And um, but it really shows like how much you take for granted in your life and how many conveniences we have in our life. But overall, it's such a fun trip because we swam to Canada. We do a lot of swimming when it's not raining and you can just do a lot of cool and amazing things. Awesome. Yeah, I would kind of echo a lot of that. Um, for me personally, I just, I like being outside, I like being in nature and really, you know, there's no better place than up in the Boundary Waters. Um, you just kind of have these kind of lakes to yourselves because there's so little, um, small amount or not that many campsites and they're, they're huge lakes. And so you just, like Ava said, you get some cool sunsets, some, the stargazing is incredible as long as you have clear nights. A little bit water trip this time, but still we made it we persevered mm -hmm. um and i think that's the cool part too you just you're able to kind of have a lot of teamwork up there um it's not the easiest trip but i would definitely 
suggest anyone that's on the fence thinking about it, do it. I think you'll you'll love it. Um, and you know, it's just it's a fun fun time to get away and disconnect from the rest of the chatter of the world and and just be out in nature. So. I think, yeah, I'd yeah. give it a two thumbs up here on the Borkenhagen side. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Despite all those rain clouds, we trust that the week also brought so many signs of God's presence within them and around them and um, most of all um, in, the, in the creation around them as well, too. And so many moments that will forever impact their lives. Just because you see the sign and you understand what it's telling you doesn't always mean that it is easy to be able to do it. Which gets us back to our gospel for today. Jesus is clearly getting more and more frustrated. We hear that in his tone. We hear this sense of urgency and um, this, this just um, anger, this sort of... Um, um, just how he is so adamant. And maybe that's in part because he realizes that his time is growing so short and his work is so, so looming large over him. There is so much that he has yet to say and to do and to help people to recognize and understand. And it probably feels as if he has been talking until he is blue in the face and people are still not quite getting it and understanding it all and are not quite seeing the sign of God that is right in front of them, that is speaking and teaching to them what God wants them to hear so that they can be prepared for what is to come. Jesus then goes on at the beginning of our passage to talk about these images. The first is of fire. And I imagine that all of those campers uh, in the Boundary Waters, every day they gathered around fire. It was um, what gave them warmth, what allowed them to cook and to eat and um, allow them to have this space together. In the Bible, fire is often one of the ways in which God appears in the midst of people. Maybe that was one of the signs that our Boundary Waters travelers experienced every day. There's also another image uh, in the Bible of fire in that um, like it is a refiner's fire. A little harder for us because most of us don't work with this or see it happening, but in the, in the, um, in the ways in which a refiner would take those precious metals of silver or gold, they would melt them down at this high, high fire, high heat temperature, and it would never consume the metal so that the metal was completely gone, but it would be hot enough that it could melt the metal and allow any impurities to sort of float to the surface so that that refiner could remove it. And then what would be left would be pure silver, pure gold, without all of those impurities, which gets us to the next image that Jesus lifts up for us. 
as he talks about baptism. But he doesn't talk about the baptism that we do in Christian churches today. He talks about the baptism of John the Baptist, the one that he urged John the Baptist to do for him. When John the Baptist was like, no, you don't need to be baptized. You don't have anything to repent of. You see, Jesus, or John the Baptist's baptism was one of repentance. It was one in which people would come and acknowledge all of those things within them that were no no good, that were not serving uh, a greater purpose, that were not serving God's purpose, that were, were making them not the purest they could be, that were causing some separation between them and God. And in baptism, to be able to acknowledge all of that and try to turn away from those things and to recommit to following God's ways so that washed, they were clean and forgiven and able to begin anew in God's ways once again. That gets us to the third image. As Jesus talks about peace, now that's the part that's most difficult for all of us because it seems so counter to what we would imagine for Jesus. How is he not a person who has come to bring peace but a sword, to bring division among people and families? Luke begins by talking about how this child that has been born to Mary and to Joseph is the Prince of Peace. But you know that the peace that Jesus brings is far greater than our, our definition and meaning of peace. And it's also far, far greater than the peace that the Roman Empire at that time proclaimed. That this was the time of the Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire, that was all brought about because of the power and the might and the wealth that they had to take over surrounding areas. And the peace really only extended to those who were in power, to the richest, to the most educated. It didn't extend to everybody in that empire. It didn't extend to all of creation itself. And so you know that this peace that Jesus brings is a peace that God envisions for all of God's creation. It is a peace for every person, regardless of who they are, of where they live, of what their background is. It is a peace for every living being and creature and for our world. And here's the part that becomes challenging for us. In part, this vision comes about because of the hard work of each of us. It becomes a, a part of that hard work in, for each of us in refining those things within us that we don't need, that don't serve us, that are, are not so pure, that don't lead to good things and blessings of mercy and love. To getting those out of our lives. And sometimes, it involves having to choose. Choose how we live and who we follow. And sometimes that's going to lead us to great arguments with one another. 
I think this is what Jesus is trying to prepare us for. Just because we see that sign that says that there's an eight-lane roundabout up ahead doesn't mean that we know exactly what to do when we enter into it. And sometimes when we find ourselves in those situations, what happens is we all end up arguing. Everyone is like telling us what to do and how to do it, and it doesn't help us get through it any easier. And so what happens is we just find ourselves at odds with one another at this place of division and conflict instead of being able to work together, instead of being able to op be open to what people are telling us of how they are leading us through. Jesus here is trying to prepare us for the intensity of this hard work, sometimes with the very people who are closest to us, that at times will not be received well, and that may at times force us to choose between them or between following him. Do we ignore this sign of God in Jesus, or do we seek to get in line of that crazy eight-lane roundabout and do our best to follow what the sign tells us. You know what time it is? My mom would say it was time to get a watch, but I think it's actually time to look around you and to look within so that you can pay attention to the signs that Jesus surrounds us with in this life. Signs to guide us and to lead us and to point us in the right direction so that we know what to do and what to say. And trusting that, so it happens. Thanks be to God.